Welcome everyone to the Row by Row Garden Show, the best dead gum garden show on the radio and the internet as well. Folks, I'm going to tell you, we got one special for you this evening. We got Glenn Harris here from UGA. And I say, Glenn, it's actually Dr. Glenn Harris. Yep, call me Glenn. Call you Glenn. <laughs> but I mean, I'm excited about this show. This is going to be one to knock your socks off here. Glenn, tell us a little bit about you, where you come from, what you're what you studying, what your expertise is. Yep. I was born and raised in southern New Jersey. And before everybody in the south throws me out, um, Grew up working on vegetable farms and actually a cut flower farm. Did my undergrad at Penn State in horticulture and my master's and PhD in soil science at Michigan State University. And now I've been at uh, University of Georgia's Tifton campus as an extension specialist for soils and fertilizers since 1994. Wow. Uh -huh. So you're almost an adopted son. We, we've adopted you. We brought you in. We've I was told pretty clearly I'll never be fully adopted, no, but, I, but, but I feel close. I feel pretty yeah, good. I yeah. feel pretty good. We was we was walking around talking earlier. You still don't like collard greens. I, I, I actually just recently have, have, have developed a little taste. I do like a bowl of peanut, by the way. Well, that's good. So, yeah. That's good. But, uh, but, I, but where I come from, we didn't grow a lot of greens. Yeah. And we, oak, well, we ate the bottoms. Y'all work the, the tops. The, the, yeah, yeah, the rutabaga. Yep. Yeah, we eat the bottoms, you eat the tops. So, so you've never grown okra, but you're thinking about it. Yep. That's about the only thing I haven't grown, probably. Yep. So you're also a gardener as well, which yeah. would, makes this even more better. Yep. My That's good English, ain't it? There, more better is that you're a gardener. You're a home gardener, too. I am. I am. My dad was a gardener. My father-in-law was a gardener, and uh, I've always always loved growing things in the garden and new, new things, like I said, I always like trying new things. But crop science and soil science, I guess, is your is your love there. It is, it yep. is, yep. So we're gonna do a dive today into fertilizers. <laughs> I think that's gonna be great. Look here, I even bought my glasses. There you go. Because I thought I was gonna need them. I'm, I'm excited about this day because I feel like I'm gonna learn as well. <laughs> Been doing this a long time myself, but man, I, I, the great thing about horticulture, agriculture, is you're always learning. Yep. Anybody ever tells you or gives you the impression they know everything, you better back up, get in your truck, and leave. That's a good point. So uh, I'm, I'm excited about this day. So in my garden, I got cucumbers coming off. I got squash coming off. I got my tomatoes, which is about this big. They are still green, but I think I'm going to be able to pull it off. I got sweet dumpling and delicata winter squash that's coming along. And I'm a huge winter squash kind of guy. Mm -hmm. I love those. Uh, corn, we still got zinnias, we got sunflowers blooming. I got everything started in the greenhouse. Karabi. You grow karabi? I've grown it. Yep, sure have. So I got karabi I'm going to plant the next day or two, transplants. We got uh, turnips planted. We got cabbage. We got all that kind of stuff. It's that time of the year where it's cooling off. The nights is getting, you know, getting cooler. And we feel like getting out there in the gardening. Yep. What you got going in yours? I got some cucumbers. I uh, planted a little late, hoping they're gonna make. Um, got some sunflowers coming, and uh, my my zinnias and my cosmos actually reseeded, so they're coming mm. up. And um, I'm actually a, a bird watcher, butterfly watcher, and all that. Try to encourage the, those things in my yard. So um, I got some tithonia, the Mexican mm. sunflower. Wow, they really good, do well down here. Yeah, they love track the heat. The butterflies yep. and all that. Uh, September's butterfly month in South Georgia, by the way. Um, so that's really cool, but uh, but I'm looking forward to my broccoli and my cabbage and that kind of thing. I tell you what I did this year. I 
on my sunflowers, I let them seed out, and I let the birds eat the seed. Mm -hmm. Normally, I, I extinguish them before that point, but I figured, hey, might as well leave them something to eat. And plus, it, you know, it's enjoyable watching them come out there and feed on the sunflowers. Yep. So I left them and let them feed off those, and I finally cut them in. But uh, that's another good reason to grow sunflowers yep. as well. Yep, sure is. So we got a new product that I am absolutely stoked about. I'm going to let you hold this one right here. Cool. This is a new product we have just put on the website, and we have just secured these. I found this product at a show in Ohio, and it's called Dr. Joe's Fertilizer Tablets. And the neat thing about it is it's easy. So if you want to get one of those tablets out there, there's 14 tablets in one of these little canisters here, and you drop... That's cool packaging. Yeah, and you drop one of these tablets Ready? into this water, yep, and it's... Plop, plop, fizz, plop, fizz. Plop, fizz, fizz. <laughs> and oh, what a relief it is. <laughs> so the cool thing about this is it is so easy. You can drop one of these tablets in your watering can. You put one tablet to one gallon of water, and you let it disperse, and it don't take long. I didn't time how long it took, but it don't take long. But I tell you it's what I did. Fast. I took one of these, and I, I dropped the tablet in it, and I let it sit overnight. And I was expecting it to settle out but it was totally suspended the next morning in that solution mm -hmm. there, which is unusual for a lot of fertilizers. Mm -hmm. And I was really yep. proud of that fact that it stayed uh, suspended in there. So we have four different ones. We have a, let's see here, make sure we've got a flower one. We've got to gotta have a flower one. We got a tomato and vegetable one. And we have a nutrient bubble that actually has 2% nitrogen and 13% uh, potassium in it. But it has the, the uh, central elements, micronutrients in it. And then we have the all-purpose plant bubble, which is the one we're putting That's in there. That's one I got, 18510. Yep. yep. And we're going to talk about them numbers. Yes, we are. Yep. Yep. 18510. So I thought we should have these on the website. I think they're like $5.99 for 14 tablets. So one of these little canisters will make 14 gallons of fertilizer. I think the instructions say do it once a week, but I'm not sure about that. I did a little research and I actually put some lettuce I had growing. I put one tablet to a half gallon and fertilized them and I didn't get any burn. So I think there's a little wiggle room there, but we probably want to go with directions. I'd get behind and probably throw two tablets in one day. Yeah, <laughs> see what happens. Yeah, you know, your plant's older, it probably can handle yeah. it. Maybe when it's little, you don't want to do yeah, that. Yeah, when it's got those little fine roots, yeah, I know yeah, you want to be a little bit careful. That's the reason we probably want to follow the label directions. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. it does say once a week. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, we're going to set this. Look there. It's almost, it's almost done. But it's, look how it's and I just, bet you if you shook it around a little, probably even oh, a little yeah. faster. Yeah. And then uh, uh, we and I, I wonder if the temperature of your water might matter. Probably too. does. But you know, the That's 20. scientist in me, sorry. Yeah, the, the, the regular 20-20-20 does dissolve better in warm or hot water than does cold water. Mm -hmm. So we're going to set this to the side. We may go look at it toward the end of the show and show everybody what it looks like there. So we are going to deep dive Deep dive, I said, into fertility. Now, we hope not to get over anybody's head here, but there's a lot of good information we're going to talk about today on fertilizers. And I am going to put my glasses on. The first thing is fertilizer label. Let's go over that. Just, mm -hmm. just beginner fertilizer label. Let's talk about that just for a minute. Mm -hmm. And then we'll move into some more stuff that's maybe a little more deeper. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, it reminded me when you said fertilizer label, you realize in, in Georgia there's a... Um, uh, Georgia Department of Ag, there is a fertilizer law and a lime law and a soil amendment law. 
And uh, one of the big things of fertilizer law is the label. And, yep. you know, giving guarantees and they give you some leeway, but you know, you how you set those and everything, and there's certain things you got to have on that label. Uh, and the biggest thing is, 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 you know, NP and K and then, and then also what it's derived from. Mm -hmm. um, that's, those are the biggest things. So yep. let's talk about, I got one of these yep. labels right here. This is just a generic label here that you'll see in most garden centers. Mm -hmm. Uh, which is a 13, 13, 13. And this would be very similar to what a 10, 10, 10 would look like as well. So the 13 there, the first the, the first number you see on that fertilizer label is, of course, your nitrogen. Yep. Your yep. second number is going to be your phosphate or your phosphorus, and your last number is going to be your potassium. Yeah, we say N, P, and K. Technically, it's N, P, 2, O, 5, and K, 2, O. But luckily, we don't get we don't get into the weeds too much with that when people realize um, everything's based on on those numbers, but the interesting thing about that too is those numbers are the same around the world. I was in China one time, and I, I was in a, uh, doing some stuff with fertilizer, and there was a bag of fertilizer, and I couldn't read anything on the label, but it had the three numbers. And guess what? It's always N, P, and K. Wow. So so um, doesn't matter anywhere around the world. Hmm. So so to be a complete what they call a complete fertilizer, what does it have to have? You got to also have the micronutrients um, and, and the secondary. So there's 16. Well, some would argue. Some people say 18 essential nutrients. I go with 16. I'm old school. Um, and, you know, carbon, hydrogen, and oxygen, we don't even ever talk about. We get them free from air and, uh, and water. But, but N, P, and K are the big three. Um, where I come from, the big three were Ford, Chrysler, and whatever. Or <laughs> Domino's, Hungry yeah. Hours, and whatever. Yeah. But the, the big three are N P, and, N, P, and K. But then you got calcium, magnesium, and sulfur are your secondaries. And then you have um, seven micronutrients. And not all the micronutrients are on here because some of them um, we just rarely have problems with. Um, you know, I notice like molybdenum is not on the here and that kind of thing. But to be a complete fertilizer, you got to have more than just N, P, or K. Okay. Yep. And what most people don't realize is these different types of nitrogen out there. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. So um, in this example, you can see it's it's a twelve percent ammoniacal, which is a kind of a hard word to say, but that's basically think ammonium, NH four. And then nitrate, which is NO3, and the, and the reason um, it's good to know that sometimes is because um, soils have a net negative charge, and they can hold positively charged things, and and ammonium is positively charged, so it can get held by soil. But nitrate is negative charge, so that's the one that it's not held on the soil, and with a lot of rainfall can leach, and and so that's a, a sometimes we don't want to go with all one form or the other. Most of the time, it's good to have kind of a blend of the two. A lot of times your plants will respond differently to those type, different types of nitrogen, right? Yeah, believe it or not. Um, now, now, plants need both. I think a lot of people think plants only take up nitrate. That's not true. They can take up ammonium. Um, this happens to be nitrate's usually the form in soil that, that's probably more prevalent. Um, but, but I think plants do have a preference sometimes. For example, I work a lot with actually cotton and peanuts, and, and, and I swear that, um, that cotton has a little more preference for nitrate over ammonium. Mm -hmm. So. Yep, that's and true. it can make a difference on your soil. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, you know, nitrogen is there to to help. You know, it's the, it's a main driver. If you had to pick one that really drives the growth of a plant, because it's so important for proteins, basic uh, building blocks, amino acids, protein in the plant. So, um, you know, you, you got to get ammonium and nitrate into the plant. So the, the drawback to the ammoniacal would be is it can leave through, it can gas up and leave that way, right? Uh, not, you know. A uh, little bit maybe? That's urea. Okay. Uh, so the ammoniacal, if you had a high pH, that is true. 
but we are in the land in South Georgia here, at least in, in, in acid soils. So that's usually not our problem is usually trying to get our soils limed up. But you know, you get a pH 8.0, which you shouldn't be that high. Yeah, you might have a problem with volatilization ammonia. So luckily that, but now urea is another form of nitrogen and it is subject to, to volatilization. So that's one that's not on this label, mm -hmm. um, but you can, you can buy pure urea and uh, that one is subject to volatilization. Our next one is available, phosphate there. Yep. Now see this phosphate, you can tell down at the bottom where it says derived from, normally gives you where that chemical or element is derived from. And this one comes from ammonia phosphate. Right, right. It's probably, you know, and, and, and again, we probably should talk about organics at some point too, but you know, um, rock phosphate, which is in the ground, you know, a lot of it comes out of Florida. Um, it's in the rock. And the, the problem with actually rock phosphate just straight to your garden is it doesn't break down real good until you get to pH of 5.5 below. Well, the problem with that is I want you to be up more around six because aluminum in the soil becomes available at 5.5 below and actually it's toxic to most plants. Mm -hmm. So, but what the commercial uh, fertilizer people do is they, they treat that rock phosphate with sulfuric acid. And itch and it, it out. And, yeah, and it gets it out, and makes it more available and all that. So it's, it's probably similar to that ammonium phosphates probably. Mm -hmm. But it, it, this is a special case. This is what we call ammoniated fertilizer. All these parts are broken down and then reformed in an ammoniated process. This plant, by the way, is in America's Georgia. Where really? Rain, that's where the rainbow comes from. Okay. That's right. Yep. Uh, the next one, the last one, was going to be potassium. Yep. And where is yeah, it derived from? Potassium, potassium chloride. chloride. Yep. KCL, murate of potash. Mm -hmm. um, so your table salt is sodium chloride. We're just talking potassium chloride. It's mm -hmm. just a salt. Most inorganic fertilizers are, are, are salts. So we see down at the bottom on this label here, and this is something I think people should pay attention to somewhere, is chlorine. Now chlorine can cause some problems with burn of the leaf if it's too high, is that correct? That's correct. Um, you know, we're fortunate though, again, in, in our part of the world, uh, we get what, 52 inches of rain a year and we're sandy soil, so we don't, you know, we, we can leach some of that chlorine out. I'll tell you a funny story. My very first call 28 years ago, um, you know, when you first start, you're dreading that phone ringing. And they said, Do, can I use tobacco fertilizer on watermelons? I had no idea what they were talking about. <laughs> and uh, the biggest thing with chlorine actually, and one of the biggest reasons on the label was because chlorine affects the burn quality of tobacco leaf. Really? And, and, and there's by law, you can't put so much chlorine on. But but in this case, um, yeah, you don't want too much chlorine. Well, don't it, too well, will it gas up? But chlorine's a, an essential nutrient. I, yeah, it's it, a is. it is. Yeah. But if you got too much of it, will it actually gas? I don't think so. Okay, it's just into the soil. It'll just leach out. Okay. So it's by chloride form. Yep. And we got several more on there, such as sulfur, boron. Uh, boron, I believe, is a, is a very important one. It's a beets, I think. Beets is this really important. Yeah, so, in general, boron is important to pollination and fruiting of any crop. I mean, we spray it on our cotton and peanuts, too. Uh, it's just important for pollination and fruiting, but it is a micronutrient. Got to remember, micronutrients, they're, they're not small in stature or small because they're not important. It's, they're small because plants just don't need a lot of them, but they are very critical. Sure. And, and uh, that's why you notice on this label it's 0.1%. You put this thing out at, you know, two or 300 pounds per acre, you're probably going to get, you know, uh, enough boron um, uh, for most crops, that kind of thing. All right. So this would be a typical type fertilizer that you would buy at your hardware store, at your lawn and garden store, something like that would be, you think it'd be pretty much typical? Oh yeah. I, I call that the Cadillac. Yeah. Go 10, 10, 10. I see more 10, 10, but 13. The other thing you got to remember, again, this is, this is, this is homogenized, what we call homogenized. That means it's all product. In, you yeah. can make this by just blending urea, 
Fine, but you'll notice that when you open the bag, because you'll see different, you'll see red particles and white particles and all that. But this, when you open the bag, every particle is going to look similar. Mm -hmm. So to me, this is the Cadillac. And it's easier to apply yep. because it, it doesn't separate them. Even. Yep. So in theory, every granule has every, every bit of that in every granule. Right. That's right. Now, this is a product that we use a lot of, and this is the Hoss 2020-20, which is, I tell people, is the same exact thing as the miracle Group that they go to the Home Depot and Lowe's. Now, in years past, 2020-20 was the staple. Nowadays, they make it in a few different formulations, but ours is the 2020-20. Now, i tell you the one reason, and this has been a water-soluble product, and we inject this through our fertilizer injector into our gardens. We use this product a lot. We recommend it a lot. One reason I really like the product is because it has three different sources of nitrogen there. Yeah, you picked up your urea in this one, you noticed. Yep. You not only have ammonium and nitrate, but you also have urea. Um, all inorganic nitrogens, they start with what they call the Haber-Bosch process. You're fixing nitrogen out of the air, but it does take natural gas to do that. It takes a lot of heat and pressure, and your first thing you form is ammonia. In fact, you might have heard of anhydrous ammonia, and they use that up in the Midwest and everything. We don't use it here. They inject it. Use it in corn, mostly, yep, don't they? in corn, and they can inject it in the ground. We have some issues because it doesn't work as well for us. But basically, you take that ammonia, and then you do different processes to get all these different fertilizers. So you do one process to get ammonium nitrate. You do add sulfur to get ammonium sulfate. Uh, you, you do another process to get urea. And, and they all have a little different, like you said, characteristics and all that. So Now you talked about ammoniacal and you talked about nitrate. Talk about some of the benefits and maybe some of the problems with urea. The biggest problem with urea, you already mentioned it. Um, if, 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 if you broadcast urea and don't water it in, which in the garden situation, hope you are, um, but it can, it can volatilize. Um, if you don't incorporate it, like with tillage, or water it in. And how much water do you need? Yeah, you know, quarter inch, half inch, something like that. Now, the interesting thing, they do make products to put on the urea, so it won't volatilize. So, but you know, maybe grass production or non-irrigated forage production, but again, I don't know how many dry land gardens we have, probably not a whole lot. No. Um, so, so, so the volatilization issue should go away a little. Um, I've done a lot of work with these things in the, you know, be honest with you, um, you know, urea is fine. It, it, in, in my world, it can be a little inconsistent sometimes, but there's nothing wrong. I get the question all the time, is, is solid better than liquid? And is, is this better than this? And my answer is yes, you know, because most of these things, luckily, um, you know, they all work good. Mm -hmm. It's just maybe fine-tuning it to figure out this one's going to work a little better. You in this see a lot more urea fertilizer in nursery and, and turf mixes, don't you? Maybe because it's, it, it's a little slower Mm -hmm. release. It's not slow release technically, but it's a little slower. I mean, ammonium nitrate, like I said, they're ready to go. Boom. As long as there's water in the solution, the plant can take them up. Urea's got to get converted to ammonium, and then ammonium gets converted to nitrate. Mm -hmm. And again, the plant can take either one of them up. So it's a little it's a little slower uptake, but that's probably why they use them in those. Yep. Nothing wrong with it. So let's move to the, the, the phosphorus, and this is phosphoric acid is mm -hmm. the source for the phosphorus in the 2020. If I'm not mistaken, Phosphoric acid is also an ingredient in Coca-Cola. Cocaine was too. Cocaine was too. There are a lot of things probably yeah. Coke. Yeah. You ever measure the pH of Coke? No, I'm not. It's, it's lower than you want to know. Oh, I bet. Yeah. I you know, they, people tell me they use it to clean their battery terminal. Oh, yeah. Or windshields. So, you know, if you got maybe love it's the phosphoric acid yeah. that cleans the battery terminal. You know, phosphoric acid is also used to clean out 
uh, drip line sometimes in yep. drip, drip irrigation. Yep, it takes it the right. calcium That's deposits correct. out yep. there. Yep, that is correct. So we've got phosphoric acid as our phosphor source. Potassium, we've got... Uh, Soluble potash. Yep. It's probably the KCL again. You know, there's different forms. We mentioned the little red rocks. Those also could be white rocks. And also, they can grind it up fine, and it goes into solution better. That, that very well could be just your, uh, your potassium chloride. And we got 0.02% of boron mm -hmm. and chelated copper. Now, we got chelated copper, chelated iron, and chelated manganese. Mm -hmm. Talk about chelated. So chelated, uh, I think I believe it's German, it's, it means claw. And what it does is it surrounds these micronutrients. And by the way, you can only chelate micronutrients or metals. You cannot, so uh, there's some products out there, they say they chelated lime. I'm like, I don't know how you do that. Ah, maybe technically calcium on a periodic table is a metal, but that's a stretch. But, but these, you know, copper, iron, manganese, you know, those are metals and you can chelate them. And what it does, especially for soil applied, and I don't know if we're going to talk about foliar today, but soil applied, it will protect those nutrients, those metals from getting tied up like the oxides do. It will prevent them from getting tied up and it'll make them more available for plant uptake. Yeah, you just want to step ahead of me there. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so that's all right. So we look at these two products right here and what, what's our iron oxide uh, source down here? Yeah. It, uh, iron uh, oxide uh, over here and we got yeah. chelated iron over here. Yeah. Now, I'm not picking on any fruits right there, but the availability of this chelated iron is way better than that the iron oxide. Iron oxide is basically rust. So it can be, <laughs> it can take a long time for that to be available to the plant. Yeah, it can get tied up in, in our soils. Um, yep. I like the sulfate forms, a lot of these. I do um, too. They're, they're, you can also get the sulfate forms. Now, the, with the sulfate forms, you got to be careful with the sulfur a little bit, maybe dropping out your pH at some point. You Over a period a, of time. You have to put a lot on. Yep. You would have to put a lot on. That's right. And what about this one right here? Molybdenum. That's a hard word to that's say. A hard, that's that's not, that I, that I laid that one on you there. Yeah, that's a hard one to say. You can just call it mo or molly. Um, that one usually is important for uh, nitrogen fixation. So if you're growing any kind of a, a legume plant, um, that one's really important. We used to actually uh, uh, inoculate uh, soybean seeds with molybdenum. Hmm. Um, just get better nitrogen fixation. So... Um, but it's an essential micronutrient. Yeah. And you only have 0.001% of that, so there's not much don't of that. Is, you don't need a lot of that. Yep. And we got zinc down there. We live here in South Georgia. We know zinc is important to certain plants, especially uh, pecan trees. Zinc and copper are interesting. Um, I, I do a lot of different things. I also deal with a lot of byproducts and that kind of thing. And uh, I, I, I get questions a lot. Well, heavy metals. And I don't know if a lot of people realize this, but, but copper and zinc technically are heavy metals. And heavy metals usually sounds like, ooh, it's scary, but, but, but actually they're essential. Those two are essential nutrients. And the good news is, is uh, that's also very regulated. So any kind of land, anything land applied in, in the state of Georgia has to go through a process and be cleared and all that. Yep. So, but copper and uh, zinc are essential nutrients for sure. We have, we, we have, we would have more problems with corn loves zinc. Sweet corn too. Oh, I didn't realize that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I knew it needs some, but I, I've always thought about zinc as pecan trees, I guess. Yeah, I don't work much with pecans or turf or that, but um, yeah. I, do know, I did know they, well, I take that back. Peanuts do not like zinc, especially if you let your pH go. And sometimes we have had perfectly fields with perfect, these perfect circles where the peanuts died. I thought, you know, alien crop crop circles, I don't know there, but it was where old pecan grove where they, there's a lot of zinc. Really? Yeah, so you let your, your pH drop and have a decent amount of zinc in your soil to kill a peanut. Hmm. But but peanuts are very just very sensitive to it. It's just one of those things. Yep. All right.
So we've covered most of the nitrogen. Let's just go over, and we may have covered these, but we're going to go over them again. Let's talk about phosphorus and the importance of phosphorus in the vegetable garden. Yeah. Now, phosphorus is one of those that's a little bit different. It's a lot different than nitrogen. Nitrogen, as we've talked about, will get out of there on you. It'll leave out. You have to reapply it per run. Phosphorus is different from that. Phosphorus, we can and we should manage phosphorus differently. Yep. Phosphorus is immobile in our soil, so it'll build up. Um, and it just gets bound to the calcium in our soil, basically. So, and we do, there, there are some environmental issues potentially if you get really high phosphorus levels. That's why you want to manage it. Soil test, don't get too crazy with your phosphorus. When I think of phosphorus, I think of uh, early seed, seedling root growth. So that's why um, a lot of people use starter fertilizers or you want to put your phosphorus down. Um, again, not too heavy, but have a, a, a decent amount of phosphorus available for that, for that early, um, when that plant germinates and those little roots come out. The interesting too is, is that those roots have to intercept with that phosphorus. Unlike nitrogen, which is what we call mass flow, it will come to the root with the water. The, the phosphorus doesn't do that. So that's why you have to have that in close vicinity. That's why we use phosphorus in starter fertilizers. We put them in like a two by two. Some people are even starting now to try to put them in a the furrow. That, gets, that can be a little dangerous because it can burn them. Because uh, again, these things are salts. But when I think of phosphorus, I think put it out. Okay, so- near, Closer when you're planting the seed. So in our area here, if you do a soil sample, more likely it's going to come back high in phosphorus. Usually. And calcium. Yep. And magnesium. If you're liming good. Yep. So if I got a soil sample that's high in phosphorus, do I still need to apply a starter fertilizer with phosphorus in it, or do I need to admit that? Believe it or not, and, and, and the other key part might be when you plant, because soil temperatures can affect that. Cause phosphorus is not available below it, as much. In, in cold weather, I mean, the biggest problem I see, the big, in my world, where I'm going to see phosphorus is early planted corn, because it's it's a little cool. Yeah, we're in the south, but we plant corn in mid February or March. Um, you know, it, it's it's cool, and the roots can't get to that phosphorus. It's cold. It's not moving to them. So That's you would apply phosphorus fertilizer. Yeah, so phosphorus part? is important. Interesting. We'll get we'll get out in the point midway in the season. They find out they think they're low on phosphorus. So it's that ship has sailed. Yeah. You know, fix it. Fix it next right. year or whatever. Now, if you have an overload of phosphorus in your soil, we've talked about this before. Can't hardly get it off from there. No, the only way to really get it off is to crop it off. Mm -hmm. You know, take it off with with, with crops and removal. Um, but I'm glad you mentioned that in the back of my mind while you're saying all this is uh, a lot of people like to talk about balance of the nutrients too. And I, I believe it or not, don't get that excited and that worried about balancing things because again, if you soil test and fertilize and don't get crazy with one thing or the other, a lot of that takes care of itself. Um, and, and phosphorus actually doesn't interact with a lot of things. Actually, zinc is one thing. You have high zinc, uh, phosphorus, you might cause a little bit of a zinc problem. But the three that interact are, are actually uh, potassium, magnesium, and calcium. Hmm. And usually what happens is you use dolomitic lime and you get your calcium magnesiums real high and then you have a potash issue. But in theory, you can get any of those out of whack. But you gotta get them pretty far out of whack. You gotta do something crazy like put 20 tons of lime on or, or put, you know, I don't know, you know, 2,000 pounds of muriate of potash or something. Crazy like that. So I'll go back. This is one thing that I just continue to preach is do not do an application of lime until you do a soil sample yeah. and know where your pH is at because it is easy to raise that pH up. Our soils are not that buffered. We, we yep. are we're overall, uh, really our soils in South Georgia are not that good when you think about it, but we can grow really good crops because we can lime to take care of the pH. We can fertilize to get the fertilizer. We can water to take care of the droughtiness. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, of course, organic matter, maybe we'll talk about that another day, cover yeah. crops and organic matter. That's a, probably the thing we really need to, to concentrate. And you need fertilizer to grow a good cover crop. You do. Or, or nutrients, put it that way. Yep. But if you got if you got a high pH and you want to bring it down, if you get it too high, you apply that lime and you didn't need it to bring it down. It's yep. tough. Yep. It's tough. And it's easier in a garden situation than it is a 200-acre cotton field, I can tell you. Mm -hmm. um, you can use, we have, we, we have guidelines for that. You can use elemental sulfur or aluminum sulfate. I can tell you how much per thousand square feet you need to do with that. And, and again, the size of this room, yeah, we can probably we can probably help you. But if you get too big, about the only thing you can do is all nitrogen fertilizers are acidifying. Ammonium sulfate's the biggest one. And I would just tell a, a grower, like a, a crop grower, just try to use as much ammonium sulfate in your blend as you can to help bring that pH down. Yeah, we grow a lot of onions and garlics, and onions and garlics love ammonium sulfate. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about sources of potassium in the mm -hmm. garden. And we'll go over these real quick here. And uh, I think we've already touched on, we'll, we'll touch on this just for a second. Hardened uh, sulfuric phosphate, you touched on that a minute ago. Mm -hmm. A lot of your organic people, you know, they apply these hard rock and soft rock phosphates. The soft rock is easier, quicker to extract the phosphorus than the hard rock is. Still a slow process. Mm -hmm. yep. It's something that you got to plan out years in advance, pretty much. Well, you know, we didn't mention it, but that's my that's my challenge or the challenge I think with ni organic nitrogen sources. Um, they're they're perfectly fine, but they're not really super readily available. And sometimes crops get into a stage where they need a lot of nitrogen all at once, and and a lot of the organics are a, kind of a slow bleed. Yeah. So that that's a challenge. Chilean nitrate. You familiar with that? Guano. Yeah. <laughs> we we sell that one, and uh, that's a that is a good one to see. if you're doing organic and you want to supplement. That's a good one to throw in there. Yeah. Uh, sources of potassium, potassium chloride, mm -hmm. which is a murate, murate of yep. potash, yep. and that's that's organic. Ah, good question. <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's the question of the day. Um, murate of potash, potassium chloride. It, it's it's a naturally mined salt, and so I I would think it. You can't get much more natural than that, but I think. Uh, the organic folks have some issues with the salt in it. They say the salt kills the microbes. I really think if they're killing microbes with murated potash, they're using too much. Right. And then the other thing is potentially is some of the things they use for dust control in the process. They might use a petroleum-based mm -hmm. product, so that might be. But you can use corn stuff. So, so that's that's one of those ones that it's yeah. kind of, it can go either way. But I, I personally think every organic grower ought to be able to use Well, it goes back to the point of knowing what you're doing. And people get so confused with the organic term and what's available yep. and what's permitted and all that. Yep. But just because murated potash is a natural product doesn't mean that it's approved for organic That's production. Right. That's correct. So there's a lot of misinformation out there about that. Now, we understand that the states used to control a lot of what was approved and not, but now a lot of them have gone to using what they call OMRI, which is, mm -hmm. I guess, a more national or whatever. It is a federal regulated right. program there. And then you <laughs> even have... Within that, you have an inspection service that has come in, and there's some lead ways within that of what you can do. So it's not all, you know, it's not all exact. Well, it's probably good they went with the Omri and the federal because I think there was a, there was quite a big differences between the states. Yeah. So. Potassium sulfate. Yep. Um, you know, really, murate of potash is your cheapest, most concentrated, and everything else. So some of these are not so bad, but um, but um, 
the next one, uh, potassium magnesium sulfate or KMAG or sulpamag, it's, it's, it's very similar as far as its mined product like potassium chloride, but it's just not near as high in potassium. And that's and one of the major sulfur, ones used in our agriculture. But it's got sulfur and magnesium right. in it, so it's a really good fertilizer, especially if you need potassium and magnesium and sulfur. So, um, right. uh, um, But it's, it's a little lower uh, uh, concentration of potassium. What about potassium nitrate? Um, potassium nitrate, um, I, we use it a lot for foliar feeding. We dissolve it in foliar feed on cotton. Um, it's a, like a 13.5046 as far as N, P, and K. Um, it would be really expensive for a cotton grower to soil apply it, mm -hmm. but, but it, it works well for a foliar feed. Right. Feeding it right through the leaf. Yep. We talked about beets, love boron. A lot of these vegetable crops are need certain minor or secondary elements more so than others does. You mentioned, I didn't realize zinc on corn. Yep. That was enlightening to me. Yep. But beets, you got to have boron there. So if you're not getting boron in, you may want to apply that in some way or form or fashion. Onions and garlics loves the sulfur. Well, you know, the sweet onion you hear, they don't, they are low sulfur soils, but that's kind of a misnomer or misleading because they do, they, they like sulfur early, I guess. Right. Right. And right. Then you, and then you don't want to fertilize them too late with sulfur, but it's not like at, they don't like sulfur at all. Yeah. Actually, our theory is, is you fertilize them heavy and once they start that bubbling process, we cut the fertilizer off. Yeah. Yep. So that's what kind of, yep. tomatoes, man, we get tomato questions all the time <laughs> during tomato season. Let's talk about blossoming rock for just a minute, because this is, this yep. is going to be a big one right here. Yep. Yep. Yeah. When I think of, when I think of calcium on tomato and pepper too, pepper, yep. pepper will get blossom in rock. Sure it will. Um, so if you got those ends of your uh, uh, tomatoes, your peppers, they look like they're rotting, it's probably because of of calcium and, and there is so much misinformation out there about blossom in rot man you people will fight you talk about magnesium is is, is the cause magnesium deficiency is the cause of that there is so much so many theories out there on that so so try to tighten yeah, that up yeah, for us just a little yeah. bit um i would say number one you know i mean you, you, you want to have good calcium in your soil but you can have all the calcium and you can even put a calcium fertilizer source down if you don't have the water to get in the plant I have known vegetable growers that their, their drip system went out for a while and they'll have a gap in the plant where they have blossom end rot. You can see where the water went out. It just wasn't getting the calcium into the plant. But there's a lot of, there's a lot of calcium fertilizers, calcium nitrate, um, and, and, and gypsum, calcium sulfate. Mm -hmm. That's what I use on my tomatoes a lot, just sprinkle mm -hmm. some of that around. Mm -hmm. um, we use that on peanuts. You know, mm -hmm. if peanut doesn't get a calcium, it doesn't form a peanut in it, and we call it a pop. Mm -hmm. Because when you do this, it pops. Mm -hmm. um, so we call that lamb plaster here. And there, lamb plaster, yep. uh, gypsum, calcium yep. sulfate—it's all the same thing. Yep. And there's different forms of that we could right. go into. Um, but yeah, um, there's no doubt um, calcium is critical on tomatoes and peppers for for blossom and rot. Yeah, you got to move the calcium. You got to get into the plant. And magnesium and calcium kind of compete they, one another yeah, a little calcium, bit. Calcium, magnesium, and potassium. Those, remember those three. So if somebody, and then we have this, we see this a lot. Somebody has blossom in right and their neighbor, you know, you always got that neighbor that knows everything. <laughs> the neighbor goes out and tells you, well, what you need is some Epsom salt. And if you apply uh, the Epsom salt, you're actually causing yourself damage. Right? Epsom salts, magnesium sulfate. Yeah. Uh, it's an amazing product, actually. What other product do you know that you can uh, soak your feet in? Soak you can take it as a laxative or you can fertilize your plants with yep. it. That was pretty amazing. But it is yep. magnesium sulfate. It doesn't have any calcium in it. Right. So it's and it out competes with calcium. It will compete with calcium. That's correct. Yep. So you Absolutely do, right. Folks, listen strongly to the man here. You're doing yourself a misfavor by putting the Epsom salt out there thinking it's going to help with blossom in rot. All right, uh, organic fertilizer versus conventional fertilizer. We get this right here, 
we're really not trying to trying any stir any controversy here but somebody weeks if not months ago posted on our row by row facebook group and he asked this question here and i thought it was a great question does a plant know the difference in the element if it comes from an organic source versus a conventional source so if i'm fertilizing organically or conventionally either one does that plant react differently and i've actually thought a lot about this and with my background i'm going to tell you a plant doesn't care where nitrate or ammonium came from once it gets to nitrate or ammonium it doesn't care if it came from an organic source inorganic source or what because it's down to that that level of the nitrate molecule or ammonium molecule it's going to take it up so i would answer that question the plant doesn't care now a plant might have a, a some preferences between ammonium and nitrate but it doesn't have a preference of where that ammonium and nitrate came from right that's what i would say now the soil may react differently to that yeah well again nitrates can uh, can leach on us so mm -hmm. the ammonium might hang around a little more um high ph your ammonia can volatilize like you mentioned nitrogen is interesting because uh there's a lot of places nitrogen can go. I mean, it can run off the field, it can, the nitrate can leach. Uh, you know, there's organic forms of nitrogen. There's a lot going on with nitrogen, unlike phosphorus and potassium, which are a little, a little easier to deal with. Um, but it, yeah, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't care where, where it comes from. And, and, and as long as you're getting to nitrate and ammonium and growing the plant, um, good soil makes good plants. Good plants make good soil, I would say, too. Right. So it, 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 you can't separate them. Right. Now you can try hydroponically. You ever try to grow hydroponically? Uh, we're testing some of that now, but I'm going to be honest with you. I got a guy, Cameron is working on hydroponics and we have this conversation weekly. We have a little meeting about hydroponics and so mm -hmm. we're doing some testing on he is. And I told Cameron, I said, Cameron, I can't help you there. I know nothing about hydroponics. Did you run into a thing called the Hoagland solution? Uh, he's working on yeah, that. Look up the Hoagland solution. Um, that's kind of like the standard. And, uh, the, uh, and I de dealt with this little in grad school and Hoagland solutions. So now we're going to take these these fertilizer elements, and we're not and we're going to mix them all up and grow it. Just put it right into water. You start messing with that and say, oh, "I'm going to replace this one with this one." Boy, you're going to get in. It, it's tricky. Right. It's tricky. Um, I'll just say, be careful out there. Yeah. I would say. Yeah. Now, Epcot does it great in Florida. Man, it, it, I looked it up on the internet. They probably I was, use the Hoagland solution. I was I was amazed at some of the things they're doing down yeah. there. We did some corn microgreens the other day that they tested it. Uh, and uh, sweet corn microgreens that tested. Or oh, you talking about complex? That. that we got to try that on <laughs> you sometime. That's complex. <laughs> so let's move back to this right here, real quick, on Ken. All right, what's it been? Twenty minutes, probably. It's pretty. Is any of it settled up? I don't see any. Yep, that is a great product right there. So there you have it, folks. Just put it in there. Well, I Dr. guess it Joe, could probably Dr. sit. Dr. Joe, Dr. Joe. I guess it could sit in there. I don't know how long it would sit for it settled out, even if it did. So they suspended extremely well, which I thought was great. All right, so it's customary on our show here that we always do a corny joke of the week. And boy, have I got a good one for you. I'm looking forward to it. Yep. Why did the lady sweet potato get embarrassed? Now think about that one. Why did the lady... I actually sweet... think I might know this. Uh-oh. Okay. Can I, can I answer? Sure. Can I answer? Sure, anytime. Was her slip showing? She lost, <laughs> sort of... She lost her slips. She lost her slips. And draws. Ah, there you go. That, that, that's one thing I had to, I've never grown a sweet potato until a couple of years ago, and somebody said they'd give me some slips. I had yeah. no idea what they were yeah. talking about. Yeah. So I would have known that joke. And draws. And draws. Now, we would say in Southern, we'd say draws a little bit, but it's draws. real similar. The draws and draws. 
But uh, there you have it, I folks. Like it. Man, Glenn, we have to have you back because you know there's a lot of things we could cover right here. Yep. You talking about organic? We could get into some cover crops, yep. which is which organic is a, matter. Organic matter that compost. Is, compost that's huge. Yep. So we'll have to dig in this again for wow. another day. We really appreciate you being here. Uh, thanks for wealth having me. of information, man. I learned a lot myself today. Thanks for having. Always me. interested. Yep. So there you have it, folks. We hope you enjoyed the show. Now it's time for you to get out there and get dirty. <laughs>